Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the Video Production Academy podcast. It's great to have you joining us today. We also have Andra Dedu. Did I get even close that time? Pretty close. Well done. Andra's based over in Vancouver, but is not a Canada native. And today we're going to be talking about storytelling and storytelling in video and business more specifically. So first of all, Andra, I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us more about what it is that you do. Mm, thanks, Lee. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, in my native town, my name is Andra, and I hold space for people to integrate experiences, whether that be mystical experiences and spiritual awakenings and altered states of consciousness, and then also the like really lows of being human, like the darkness and the depressive tendencies, and sometimes people call them dark nights of the soul. Now, I can't imagine that something when you're at school and, you, you know, you're coming through and when I grow up, I want to be at. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah, it's, it's not a career aspiration that you would necessarily hear people saying. So where mm-hmm. is it that you started off? Mm, well, I started off doing a history undergraduate. I've always been such a huge fan of stories and reading. Like I'm just even now I'm completely a voracious reader. And then I was deeply depressed. I was having suicidal thoughts. I had all the things. I had a partner, I had a good job, I had a nice apartment, I had social friends, and yet still I was just completely lost in my in my life. I just didn't know what I was here to do and I was facing deep existential thoughts. So in a way to explore those existential dilemmas, I decided to run away and move to Thailand, <laughs> which was grand because I got sunshine and healing and it was just absolutely wonderful. And in my time in Thailand, I came across meditation and yoga and I started having some pretty far out experience. And then I started realizing like, what do I do with this? The reality of like, materialism and things just being matter just completely broke down for me. I just didn't believe it anymore. So I went through a huge transformation where I just revamped and completely altered my whole perspective on life and my worldview and my belief system. And from that, I started kind of thinking like, what can I do with this? And there was just this powerful, really story that came through that I I want to be a change maker. I want the world to change. We can't keep destroying the world as we are right now. We can't believe that we're so separated and just live in such a destructive manner. And I wanted to kind of bring change towards that. So then I started landing and searching and finally I landed in transpersonal psychology. That's a phrase I've never heard before. Yeah. Yeah, transpersonal psychology. Yes, yeah. It's one of those things you think about, and I think I can probably unpack what it means, but tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. It's They call it the fourth wave of psychology, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> but basically, it's the idea that, um, that humans have a capacity to transcend the mundane world, that we can reach these high states, we can have these peak experiences, which completely shift our idea of ourselves, of our relationship with the world and our relationship with each other. That in this transcending aspect, there's something new and unitive that comes through, that we begin to see the persona not as these, you know, oh, I'm bad, I'm good, I am a mother, I am a wife, I am a therapist, but that there's a wholeness that begins to kind of 
fuse together in this transcending function. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. How is it now that you use storytelling? Mm. I hold I hold this journey for women based on a book called Women Who Run With the Wolves. And in it, there's these stories, which basically we take and we lay our own personal stories alongside these fairy tales and myths. And it becomes just a hugely transformational journey for people. And even myself, when I first read the book, like it was just, it completely just blew my mind open that, that there were these maps for personal transformation. So you're actually working with myths and then working with people and putting the two together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Putting the two together so that they can see themselves anew, that they can see a different way of being in the world or in relationship or even just rewriting their own narratives about their own lives. They can begin to restructure things. And so using stories is, I don't know, there's just, for me, there's just something really special about it. Yeah. Are the stories ones that, that you find to work with people or is it stories that people then would find for themselves? It can be both ways. So sometimes when I work one-on-one -on -one with people, I realize that whatever they're going through, there's a powerful teaching story that I can weave into the conversation. So I'll bring that in. And other times, if it's in a group work, then people just relate to certain stories and they themselves, after learning of the story, can see how it connects to their own lives, can see how it connects to their own behavior, own mistakes that they've done, pitfalls that they've fallen through, so that they can, again, just shift and transform anew. How would you link that with authenticity? Because there's so often that we talk about authenticity as being the real self, as being the same person on camera as off camera, at home, at work, out in public. And I'm just wondering with using stories and with using myths that don't actually belong to the person, how then somebody can be authentic with the story as well. Oh, I love that. I don't actually think that authenticity is being the same person in multiple situations. What I think, what I understand authenticity to be, and I think everybody should kind of sit down and reflect on this for themselves, but how I see authenticity is really having the flexibility and the choice in the moment to check in and think, what is my truth right here? What is an integrity for me to say, behave, or you know, how, how do I be in this moment? It's not that I'm going to be the same with you as I am with my partner, because like, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, Lee. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I'm going to be completely different with you than I am with my partner, Andrew. But can I be authentic in this moment where I am in, in integrity with my values and how I want to show up here? I think that's where authenticity for me comes in. And then the second part of your question around using myths to, to find authenticity, I love that question too, because you're right, like myths are, there's different, per, different personas, so how are we supposed to find authenticity when we connect to those? And the thing is that they're just roadmaps, right? They're roadmaps and they're symbols. And when 
don't listen to somebody else's interpretation of the symbols, the symbols can be interpreted in a multitude of ways. So then it becomes down to the individual for their authentic relation to that symbol. What does the symbol mean for me? Right, like the symbol of a snake, for example. For somebody who's Catholic, they're gonna take the snake as being like, oh, they're the bringer of evil because they told Eve to eat the apple and etc. But for somebody else, a symbol can be can mean transformation, can mean renewal as the snake sheds its skin and grows anew. So for somebody, they can look at a snake and think, wow, that's a like a symbol of power and transformation and there's huge positive potential there. That's really interesting. I'm keen to learn more about how you would see integrity and authenticity working together with that, which is completely off topic. I'm just curious to know. (laughs) Yeah, how I see the two working together. Mm, I think for me, the way that I see it is really just really getting to know oneself. Like, what do I stand for? What am I here to do? What is my work in this world? What do I value? What is important to me? And from that place, being in integrity and showing up. And once we're in integrity with ourselves, with our deepest core values, then I think that that's where authenticity comes in. Because we don't act like how we see, you know, our friends act or how we see somebody on the TV act or or how we see a character in the story act, we have all these different roadmaps. And then from a place of deeply knowing ourselves, then we can step in the world with full authenticity. So really, it comes down to to knowing yourself, knowing who you are, and then that's what you let other people see. I think so. That's interesting because that works really well with the video work as well, because I think so often when people switch a camera on, they have this expectation that they have to show up and be the person that their audience expects them to be rather than the real self. But the audience wants the real self. They want that authenticity. They want that integrity. They want to know the real person that's on the other side of the camera. So I think that that weaves in very well indeed. Definitely, for sure. People can tell when people are fake. Like we, we got like we have those bits in ourselves where we can t- we can pick people apart. So to think that oh, I'm gonna you know put on a bunch of makeup and I'm gonna sit up nice and straight and I'm only gonna present this one side. Well, oh, that just completely takes away like the juiciness from being on camera, from connecting to people in this way. I think there's a certain degree of bravery to show up as yourself. Mm. I think it's easier to put a mask on or to put a persona on because there's a vulnerability in being who you are. Because then if somebody doesn't like you or somebody says something nasty, because unfortunately the internet has a real balance of absolutely wonderful, beautiful people and the occasional person who isn't. And if you happen to catch one of those who's like, I don't like this element of you, then that is deeply personal, as bad as somebody coming into your face and going, I don't like you because and it's, it's that wounding. So to actually show up as yourself is, I think, is a big deal and, and requires certainly a degree of bravery. It does require a degree of bravery. And I think as well, just to add to that, I think it also requires just a deep appreciation for self. 
not only knowing oneself, but appreciating oneself for how far one's self has come, as opposed to looking for appreciation from the outside, we can have that appreciation for ourselves. And also just know that not everybody's going to jive with us. Not everybody's going to like us. And that's totally okay. We're not going to be liked by everybody. And that's not an issue because we ourselves are going to be drawn to the people that we are going to be drawn to. And that that's perfectly fine. Right? I, 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 think it's, I think it's so mistaken to just want everybody to like us. And I think that there's something there that's very disingenuous, a little bit faulty, and a little immature as well. Yeah, yes, I would agree with that. And it goes back full circle to the self-awareness. And I think that's something that being on the far side of 40 is an absolute blessing because I think you hit this stage where you care less. Yeah. You, you stop being so concerned about other people's thoughts. And I certainly found for myself and for other people that are for other women that I know that are over 40, they got so much more comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. I remember my, in my twenties and in my teens, oh, just the discomfort. <laughs> like even now just thinking about it, I just find myself cringing a little bit. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. And I really do think that it's a path of self-awareness and inner knowing and realizing just like, who are we? Who do I want to be in this world? And realizing that that's actually a choice we can choose who we want to be and how we want to show up right yeah 100 percent. and i, I t- just to sort of rewind a little bit one of the things you said about really it's a journey that we're on and actually giving ourselves credit for how far we come within that because i think because we're our own worst critic we only see what we haven't done we don't take the time necessarily to look back and see what we have achieved. And it doesn't have to be huge, great, big things. It's not, oh, I got a master's degree or, you know, save the universe this week. It's just being there, showing up every day and conquering the mountains that happen every day. And, and me, I journal and I forget to read the journal back. And, and what I'm meant to do every month is at the end of the month, read the journal so I can see how far I've come in the month. and I. I forget to do that. And it was actually earlier this week, I was emailing a friend who hadn't emailed for a month and I was just updating her. And I was like, wow, I've had a really busy April. (laughs) And I hadn't recognized that because I didn't look back on it. So I think the fact that you get people to look back on it and actually acknowledge that is such a big deal. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And if I can add to that as well, I think a sense of community is also really important. Having people reflect back to us the good that they see in us. And also practicing being able to accept those qualities that they see in us, right? Because I think so we're so distant and so disconnected from one another nowadays that forming places of community is really, really important. And then having people practice really like, wow, you're so beautiful, you're so kind, you're so brave, whatever they see. And just just allowing spaces for that to be shared, I think can really boast one's sense of self. So one of the things that I've noticed speaking to people literally all around the world is we have these cultural differences and that 
the expectation, probably my very naive expectation is I'm in the UK and my culture is going to be very similar to somebody in the US or like yourself in Canada. But actually, there's some there's some things that are in there that are actually quite a big difference. So I there's a few people I've spoken to who I don't really know and they'll say, love you. And I'm like, we don't say that. <laughs> I'm British. We don't say these things. And, you know, there's that cultural difference or like a, a lady will come on and she'll, uh, she'll say to me, hi, beautiful. And that really just knocks me sideways because I don't know how to respond to that because in the British culture, that's not how we would speak to each other. And so I find that really interesting that you have the, these cultural nuances. And I think... Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a case that the US and Canada is better at boosting people and lifting people up and the UK culture not so much. I disagree. I actually think Canada sucks at it. <laughs> I can't speak <laughs> for America. I think I honestly think it's a practice. And not to and you know, I'm not talking about like calling, you know, everybody that you see on the street dears and beautifuls and oh my darling, although I, I do know people who do that and I fully appreciate them because I think they just sprinkle like little bits of love everywhere. But what I'm talking about is really sharing deep appreciation for the people that we know, our friends, our family, you know, sitting in circle and community, like one of the one of my favorite things about about this this journey that I hold for women is that they begin to mirror each other back, right? Like they look at the stories, they connect to the stories, they share how their own life story connects to the stories in the book. And then they they resonate with one another and they share, wow, I see such bravery in you for sharing that with the group. And then that person goes, brave? I've never had this concept of being brave, but here's this person telling me that I'm brave. So maybe there is an ounce of that in me a little bit and maybe they can't fully accept it sure but in a safe community where people can really get to know each other and they can share vulnerably using stories i think that there's a there's something there that is really really potent and powerful when we take the next step of reflecting to each other like what we see and what we appreciate in one another that's fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing that. One of the things that I wanted to sort of drill into a little bit with you is when we did the pre-podcast chat, we were talking about Zoom and using Zoom and how our lives have shifted over the last couple of years from being so much in person to so much on Zoom, like we're recording this podcast today. And in some ways, it's literally opened up a world of opportunity for me that in yeah. the last six weeks I've literally spoken to people on every continent but Antarctica which is just phenomenal and I love wow. it however this is very two-dimensional as well yeah. which was something that we spoke about when we we had that pre-podcast chat and I remember you saying something really interesting about the fact that we're kind of two-dimensional with this there are bits of information that that we miss on zoom and being on video. I mean, first of all, you can only see me from here to here, right? Like you see my arms, but you have no idea, you know, how wide my hips are, how I'm sitting in this chair, if my legs are crossed or uncrossed or completely splayed open. <laughs> like you have no idea about any of these little bits of information. And as well, exactly like we're just front on front. How often do we actually sit so square with one another? 
and same thing, right? Like we don't, we don't turn our heads. We don't see, like, you don't get to see how flat the back of my head is. Like there's all these like little bits of information that you completely miss, but also just the language of the body. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest things for me. I'm quite a kinesthetic person and I'm quite a body-based person. So missing out on the information of the body, how people lean in or step or how comfortable they are to come to one another. There's so much information in that, right? Like with some people, if you get closer, they, you know, they lean back a little bit more, right? Whereas for me, like, I just, I love to get really close and intimate with people, but that's completely skipped over on Zoom. So I think a lot of people, I think it takes, I think it, one, it takes, a lot of adjustment and two I notice myself that I use my hands a lot more because I can't convey my whole body to express what I want to express then I find myself using my hands even more so just to to convey you know what I'm what I'm really trying to convey emotionally and energetically but if I can add one more thing to this, at first I was quite hesitant on the power of Zoom to bring forward any transformation or to bring connection for people. And the thing is that, and you know, I'm gonna get really spiritual here, but we are energetic beings and we connect on beyond space and time. And even though we're not physically together in space, there's a connection here that traverses that. And I've seen it multiple times over and over and over again, where people do just see this little square on their video. And yet they have these beautiful heart opening connections because we have these little things in our brain called mirror neurons, which still reflect back what the other one experiences. So if I get really excited, even though you only see the two dimensional perspective of me, hopefully you can still feel that you can still feel my excitement or if i get really sad even though you i'm only a two-dimensional perspective you can still feel my sadness as well you're exactly right with that you're absolutely spot on with that and i think that's where the power of video for business comes in because that energy can transmit because that personality can transmit and so the power of video is that we're always building relationships with people. And because there's more information, even though we're two dimensional, there is more information that comes across in a video than there is in the written word or in a photograph. So it's kind of like, it's the next best thing to be in there in person. Definitely, definitely. Like I read about a podcast that you had on and the person was sharing that, that her sales went up when she added like a video of herself on her sales page or, or something on her website definitely because then we can connect to the person right like we see them as a human being with expression and emotion and they become real for us and it doesn't matter that we can only see this little bit you know i mean i think it sorry i should take that back it does matter but still it's better than nothing yeah and the podcast that you're saying about is Amanda, Amanda Kajek, and she coaches women to six and seven figure sums. And she she's quite analytical with the way she did her webinars. So she did some that were just slides and she did some that was just her and then measured the conversion rate. And the conversion rate when it was her and no slides was something like seven times higher. Same content, but slides and 
being as much in person as you can be on video was a huge, huge difference. And I think part of it is because we hide behind the slides. Totally guilty of that one. I've done presentations several times where I've used slides and been very glad not to be on camera. But then that's kind of shifted and I'm a lot more comfortable on camera now. But I love the fact that she was analytical with it, that she could prove her point because she'd measured it. Yeah, I love that. I love I love bringing science into things. And I, that just makes so much sense, though. Right? Like we are emotional beings. We are relational beings. We connect relationally to think that just words on a screen is going to do it. I mean, you know, maybe it does, but it could be better if you have a video, I think. Yeah, it doesn't quite hit the mark in the same way, I think. What mm -hmm. tips would you give to somebody who's wanting to use storytelling in the business? I think number one is embody the story, whatever story is being shared to really feel it in the body. And what I mean by that is not to share the story from like a cognitive level, like let me go through the story and this happened and next happened and third and blah, and this is the end and that's it, you know, but really allowing the story to be said slowly to the point that it moves the other. That's what we want from a story. We want it to be emotive. We want it to be moving for another. We don't want to just be speaking to their brain. We want to be speaking to their brain, their heart, and their gut. And to do that, we need to speak with our own body, right? And what that means is that we can't be tense as we're telling the story because then it really comes across, right? Our anxiety comes through the words. So taking a breath, relaxing the body, and that will come through the voice. It will come, like we touched on mirror neurons, that will be picked up by the other person via mirror neurons. But there's just a quality to the story that completely changes when we can come at it from like a body perspective instead of just a mind place. That's perfect. Thank you. I'm I'm processing. You can always start, start looking around because I'm processing. That, <laughs> yeah. that makes so much sense because you do, you sometimes see people and that, like you said, they'll just kind of go, yeah, there was this, then there was that, then was the other, and that's it. Da-da. And then you get other people who tell a story like they're there all over again. And it's full of the emotion. And it's really funny because it's it's something that I do at work. And I'm trying to teach the guys at work about using stories in the marketing for the business. And yeah. I'm saying you can turn around and say about somebody's computer gets hacked. And it's, you know, it's not good. The machine has to come in and get wiped and, you know, there's a risk and, and all the rest of it. And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then turn around and say, the very first hacking case that I dealt with was a lady who was 82 years old. Her name was Alice. She was on a computer one day and she got a phone call from somebody saying they were Microsoft and they could see that she was watching child pornography on a machine. So, of course, Alice was completely appalled. And they, Microsoft, Microsoft said that they could deal with it because obviously it was an issue with the machine. It was probably a virus, but if she let them onto the machine for a small fee, they could sort it out for her. So of course she was completely backfooted by this and she let them on the machine and they emptied her bank account of 400 pounds. So she turns up to where I was working at the time with the laptop and the story. We wiped it and sorted it and she went to the bank and dealt with it and spoke to the police and whatever. Now that has so much more impact and power than saying hacking is really bad. If somebody phones you and says they're Microsoft BT or whoever, chances are it's not them. You've got, okay, fine. Yeah, I have that information. But I suppose it goes back to facts tell and stories sell. 
Mm-hmm. That if you can make that emotional link, you know, you can imagine what Alice looks like. She was about five foot two and had white curly hair. She was the typical little old lady that you would imagine in a, a cartoon. But you can picture that. Whereas if mm-hmm. I say hacking's a really bad thing, don't get caught out by phone calls, you go, because eh, there's no connection. Totally. Like even in my own body, as you were telling those stories, like hacking, yeah, sure no emotional reaction then you went into the story like my whole body just kind of tensed up and I could feel it just contracting on the inside of like oh my god am am I gonna get hacked (laughs) is that gonna happen to me because there's that relational component definitely stories stories carry so much so much power so the moral of the story is your stories in your business for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely. So how can people connect with you? I have a website. <laughs> so there's that. And then I would I love to meet people. So speaking about video, like it's, you know, it's one thing to look at my website and blah, 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 blah. But I love to meet with people and to see if there's that actual connection of working together. That's really my my first and foremost thing. I want to see them. I want to talk to them. I want them to see me. I want to see if there's a connection. And if there isn't, then also being really truthful about that, right? That's perfect. We'll make sure that goes into the show notes for you as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with me today. It it certainly didn't take the route that we were going to take, but it was absolutely fascinating. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lee. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for listening to the Video Production Academy podcast or watching it if you're viewing us on YouTube. I'm Lee Midlane and I've been your host for this episode. If you'd like more information, resources or free downloads, head over to the Video Production Academy at www.videoproductionacademy.co.uk. Reach out if you have any questions, queries or comments and subscribe to hear more inspiring conversations with business owners just like you who've built their business using video. Until next week, shoot for the moon.